0: I was standing on the banks So.
1: I think for the first time hearing that song when I was just a child. Uh, my my brother uh, made a bootleg copy of it off of the uh, radio one day. He had one of them blank cassette tapes ready to hit record. And when that song came running, he hit record and he wore that thing out playing that song. And uh, this was an old song they recorded live in Chattanooga, Tennessee with, I think it was the Kingsman Quartet. And uh, they were shouting the roof off the place and you could I can still hear the shouting in the background I mean, it got on and uh, I remember thinking about that ship sailing off without me brother John and the Holy Spirit began to work on my heart say, boy you need to get on board and uh, I'm glad that salvation the ticket to heaven is paid for it's not free it's very costly. But it's free for you and me if we'll receive it. Amen. Amen. But it costs God his son's very blood to pay for your ticket. You don't want to miss that ship because it's going to come around one way, one time. Amen. Amen. The Bible says behold today is the sal- day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And I'm glad that the Holy Spirit of God wooed me in and I got on board September the 9th of 1990, hallelujah. And uh, I like that part where it talks about it's bruised and battered, uh, or I, I may have messed up the lyrics, uh, torn, and uh, it's a picture type of the church, but she's still a sailing for Jesus, amen. So thank God for that. All right, I want to direct your attention to the book of Genesis tonight, chapter number four, if you grab your Bibles. Genesis chapter number 4, I'll be as brief as the Holy Spirit will allow me to be tonight. Genesis chapter 4, and remain seated, I'm going to read 12 verses tonight, and then give you what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. Let's pray. Dear Holy Spirit of God, I pray now for your presence to continue to work on our hearts through the teaching and preaching of the word. God, give us something that we can take home with us that would help us to live for you more effectively this week than we did last. Draw us closer to you, Lord, if there's one in our midst that don't know you, Savior, if there's one watching Online that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today will be the day to give their heart and life to Jesus. In whose name we pray God's children say, Amen. Genesis chapter four, verse number one. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And, by the way, if you have a child, that child is from the Lord. Amen. Anytime. Amen. He is Amen. the giver of life. And you need to thank God for your children. And the Bible says, She again bare his, his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground... And offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no not respect. And Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. He had the pooch lit, amen. <laughs> And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And thou art thou cursed from the earth, Which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Now I want to go back to verse 9 for our focus tonight. The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And I wanna begin a new series tonight with the help of the Lord on that question. Am I my brother's keeper? It's interesting to note that the Bible teaches us that Abel was a keeper of sheep. It was his occupation to be a keeper. And sometimes uh, when it is someone's occupation to keep things, to keep an eye on things, uh, others assume that they need no help in that department. Uh, And so uh, his brother may have perhaps thought to himself, well, he looks like he knows how to keep his own, why should I be of any interest to his welfare, amen? Uh, But there's more to it than that Notice this word keeper means It means to hedge about It means to guard It means to protect It also means to keep a watch on Uh, It's basically and essentially Doing the job of a big brother To keep an eye on your brothers Your sisters Those in your family Amen And uh first he lied to the Lord and said I don't know where he's at of course Cain knew exactly where he was at Uh, but then he said am I my brother's keeper he's he's actually not just lying he's arrogant about it What's it to me he's flippant amen he's uh, he's arrogant he's cocky he's full of pride and his heart is definitely in a wrong place Uh, but Real quickly I want to ask you the question And I want you to give me a verbal and audible response Based upon the verse in Galatians chapter 5 And verse number 14 where the Bible says For all the law is fulfilled in one word Even in this Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself The question then Am I my brother's keeper? What is the answer to that question? We are, aren't we? We are absolutely our brother's keeper. That is, we are to tend to one another. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, the question then I want to ask is, what leads uh, to such a condition as Cain found himself in to have such a cold and calloused attitude Towards the well-being of his own brother. What would lead anyone to that place where they're not concerned about their brothers or their sisters well-being? Well, looking sticking with the text, I want to notice three things tonight. First, I want to notice that there is a self-righteous problem in verse number three. The Bible said, In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And this is a self-righteous problem because Cain knew better. The reason I say that Cain knew better is because him and Abel both grew up in the same house. They attended the same Sunday school lessons, if you will. Amen. Their father and mother had to teach them that the way that God accept, offers forgiveness of sin is through sacrifice, through a blood sacrifice. Right? Because you remember when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God himself healed a lamb or some some kind of a, a, an animal and wrapped them in, and made clothes for them out of animal skin. So we know that God was giving the very first type of the crucifixion and what Redemption would look like when Christ would offer himself as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And you have to know that Cain knew better than to give gods to try to impress God with an offering other than a blood sacrifice. Amen. And so I want you to think about that for a minute. What would have driven Cain to think, to get the idea that God might be impressed with something else when God is the one who, who set the standard to start with. What Cain (laughs) did not understand was God was not looking to be impressed with the works of his hands. Cain, no doubt, could produce a wonderful fruit basket. Amen. I'm sure that it was elaborate. I'm sure he put a lot of work into it. He was so impressed with himself that he thought surely God would be impressed with this. And maybe he had uh, good intentions somewhere. I kind of doubt it. Amen. I I think it was more driven in self righteousness and in pride and in arrogance. But somewhere along the way, Cain decided uh, to live a self righteous lifestyle. That is to produce of the works from the works of his own hands to try to please God. And that is essentially the definition of of self-righteousness when you try to use the works of your own hands to appease the wrath of God and to appeal to His favor. And you need to understand that when you go down that route of self-righteousness, where you think you know better than God, when you think you know better than the preacher, when you think you know better than the Bible, you are headed down a path not only of self-righteousness but self-destruction it doesn't just stop there though it don't only lead to the destruction of yourself but it also leads you to be destructive to others in your life because the moment that you set yourself up as your own god your own standard of living then you can call the shots on what's right and what's wrong for you, even up to killing your own brother and thinking that you did okay. Now, we have a self-righteous problem because fallen man has chosen to try to please God with the works of his own hands. And somebody needs to hear this tonight. You can work until you are dead and live a thousand years doing so and never please God with your own works. The Bible said, it's not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. And you need to understand that self-righteousness is not an answer it just creates more problems for you when you develop a stiff neckness a stubbornness towards god and say i will do it my way or i won't do it at all you go right on ahead and do it your way but i'm telling you you are headed for trouble that way you need not think that self-righteousness will get you anywhere with God. And so that's one of the things that positioned Cain to develop such a hatred in his heart for others is because he began to define his own righteousness so that he could justify his wicked deeds. How do people in churches sometimes get so cold and callous towards their brothers and sisters that they quit caring. <clears throat> for one another. They quit caring about one another's well-being. They quit checking on one another. They quit following up on one another and even worse, uh, not only do they stop doing what they ought to do, but they start treating them in ways that they should never have treated them. It's because of self-righteousness. When we let self-righteousness in and we determine that we are right and everybody else is wrong, it just puts blinders on, spiritual blinders and, and causes us to become blind to the error of our own way. So to be a brother's keeper, you have to guard against a spirit of self-righteousness. You have to guard against the the temptation to insist that, that it always has to be your way or no way at all. Because the moment you take that position, you will be willing to do anything to defend your ground when it's not even ground that God told you to be standing on to start with self-righteousness is one of the ways that he got there not only that but there was, there was not only a self-righteous problem but number two there was a relationship problem a relationship problem really this is the root of his self-righteous problem look at verse 7 God's talking to Cain he says if thou doest well shalt thou not be accepted God said hey look if you did right there'd never been a problem Right, That will never been a problem if you just did right. That's what that means. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. In other words, Cain, you know as well as I do, the reason your offering was not accepted is because there's sin in your heart. I see then that there is a relationship problem between Cain and God. There is sin standing between Cain and God. And the only thing that would take of that sin problem is for Cain to do what God had already declared was required. and That was to offer a blood sacrifice. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission. And I know and I'm aware that at this point in human history the law of Moses was not passed down. But we already was given a type and a foreshadowing of what was to come. And Cain I'm convinced of it knew that That he was sinning when he did this, that is he knew that he was doing something different than what God prescribed, but he thought he'd take a chance and just see what might happen. Amen. And so he had a relationship problem with God. So that's another way that we get so out of sorts that we stop caring for our uh, what we might call vertical relationships. Mm-hmm. the people on this planet living with us is because our horizontal relationship with God is out of sorts. Mm-hmm. If any men say that he loved God and hate his brother, he is a liar, the Bible says. You cannot be wrong with your brother and right with God. And so there is a relationship problem. And that's really the whole issue here, is it not? that he sinned, and sin separated him from God, and he refused to uh, to take God's prescription for the problem. And so instead of taking God's prescription for the problem, he became self-righteous, and he chose to continue on in his stubbornness and in his separation between him and God, thinking that maybe, just maybe, he would impress God enough that, uh, after all, what, what would be the harm in doing something impressive? Maybe God will accept this. But the truth was, Cain was not willing to confess his sin. In verse 22, excuse me, let me t- check myself. No, verse 10 rather. And he said, talking to Cain, what hast thou done? God never asks a question because he needs information. Right. Right. He always asks a question to probe your heart. To see if you will answer honestly. What hast thou done? And because there was a relationship problem, Cain was living in denial. And any time you're out of sorts with your brother or sister in Christ as a believer, as a member of the family of God, it always stems back to something between you and your Heavenly Father that would allow you to be in such a position. So what I would advise you to do if you're having problems reconnecting with brothers or sisters in Christ, uh, if you're having fellowship problems, if there's some kind of a grudge or hindrance between you and a brother or sister in Christ. Check your relationship with Jesus. Check your relationship with God. Somewhere along the journey, you ignored His voice. Somewhere along the journey, He has, he has uh, touched your heart with His finger of conviction, and you have yet to deal with it. And He is gracious, and He is patient, and He is merciful. But until you're willing to tell God. What you have done. Then you cannot restore that relationship. Between you and, and your brother or sister in Christ. Because in, before you can get honest with one another. You got to first be willing to get honest with God. So there is a relationship problem. And then I want to say thirdly. Lastly tonight. There is a. Uh, out of What develops out of a relationship problem with God, and what develops out of a self-righteous mentality then becomes a religion problem. Look at verse number eight. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. I call this a religion problem because now Cain has so dared to walk outside of God's standard of righteousness that now he's dictating his own behavior the way he seems fit. And this has become a religion to him. You know what happens to people that want to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world? You want to know what happens to people uh, that want to straddle the fence? and they can't just go live a hellion life and leave the church alone, brother Ron. they got to try to dabble in both worlds to try to give themselves a feel good about what they're doing. But you know what they end up doing? They end up Cain is that. They end up justifying and solidifying their own actions in their own mind, And even going to the point, in some cases, of making their own religion. Mm-hmm. Making their own religion. And you have entire religions that are man-made today because somebody wanted to do it different than the Bible said do it. Right. And so they created a whole other belief system that's based in error and they think that the more following they have and the more support they have and the more organization they have and the bigger it grows, the more it solidifies their sin as being okay. But they're blinded by their own condition. And so they now we have world religions today that are leading masses of people the wrong way. Yep. That are leading masses of people straight to hell, if you don't mind me saying so tonight. Yep. And so it becomes a religion problem. Because now, he has, he has not only said no to God, but he said, very fact I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm also going to do my own thing. And instead of offering a sacrifice to get right with God and restore his fellowship with his brother, he offered his own brother in hatred to his own religion. Think about that. Consider what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And it said this, If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. How great is someone's darkness when they think that their evil deeds are promoted by God. Hmm. When Satan has so blinded them to the demise of their own actions that they think that what they're doing would please God, then you know they're living in deception. Think about this, John chapter 16 and verse one. These things have I spoken unto you, Jesus said, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor Me, See how far blindness will take somebody? Uh, Why do you think uh, the religion of Islam is so radical that they would cut your throat if you would not follow in their religion? It's because they think they're doing God a service, but they don't realize they're serving a false God. But their blinders are on that they can't even see the error of their own way and I know we get on to religions like that but did you know the Bible said that if you have hatred in your heart toward your brother then you're a murderer Yep. in the eyes of God it's no different than cutting somebody's throat for not doing what you want them to do Mm -hmm. God does not want us to hate one another to be divided from one another he wants us to work together to help one another. And I've got a real heart for young men especially, young ladies too, yes, of course. But you know, we're living in a generation now where there's so many fatherless homes that it's, it's causing all kinds of chaos in our culture. And there's a lot of young men that need some guidance and direction. They need a brother's keeper. To step into their life and to be a guardian for them, to to check in on them. And by the way, if you have a father or you have a mother or you have a spiritual advisor in your life that loves you enough and cares for you enough to call you out when you're wrong and say you don't need to do that, you're headed the wrong way. And yes, they might even, uh, they might even, uh, uh, what do they call it when they take your privileges away? Grounded. Huh? Ground. There you go. That's what I looking for. They might even ground you. Then you need to thank God for a brother's keeper. Amen. You need to thank God for somebody that's watching out for your soul. Amen. Amen. If you have a pastor that tells you what the Bible says and not what you want to hear, you need to thank God that somebody's in your life that's willing to speak the truth in love. Amen. 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 So don't be stubborn like Cain and say, I defy God, I defy that truth, I defy that preacher, I defy my parents. No, 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 no. You need to understand that God loves you so much that he put people in your life to help you avoid some of the travesties that life has to offer should you go the wrong way. Amen. Amen. And so back to our text, uh, back to our theme here, we see self-righteousness, we see... Uh, relationship issues with God and with fellow man, and we see religious problems, and basically all of this could be settled at the foot of the cross. Coming to God through Jesus in repentance of your sin, trusting Him for forgiveness, and being willing to follow the Lord, God can lead you away from destruction and into a lifestyle Where you can learn how to not only love God, but love each other. Amen. Amen. Uh, The book of Psalms, chapter 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I'll not read the whole chapter, but isn't that the truth? Yes. And, And I pray that God always helps us to maintain a bond of peace and love in the midst. Amen. And for us to cultivate a culture of being our brother's keeper. And that doesn't just go for the men. That goes for the ladies as well. Amen. Amen. To, to, to be there for one another. To help one another in our time of need. And I want to say this. If there's any conflict, your friendship is more important than winning an argument. Amen. Amen. Here's your Bible for it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to close. 1 Corinthians 6, 6, but, bro, uh, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you. Amen. Paul's uh, rebuking the church of Corinth for taking the brothers and sisters to, cor- uh, to court instead of selling their differences outside of court. Amen. He said there's utterly a fault or a crack among you, a division a split because you go to law one with another, why do you not rather take wrong? Paul's even saying, you'd be better off to take the the loss to maintain a friendship than to insist that you win the argument. Right. Amen. Amen. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Yeah. Wow, now that's a determination. One side of spiritual maturity is whenever you're able to say, you know what? I'm willing to forgive and forget and move on. Just let it go. Just let it go. Yep. They wronged me, they hurt me, they cost me, they owe me. But they'll never see it from my perspective. They're too hard-headed. They're too stubborn. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be there for them. But I'm not going to let bitterness and unforgiveness drive a wedge between us, even if they are the ones that did the wrong. I will be the big person in the situation, and I will move on. And maybe one day sooner or later, if I lead them through a spiritual example, God will bring them back around. But even if God don't bring them back around, I'm not going to be the reason why they can't get back to God. Take the loss if you have to. Pray, brother sake. Amen? Amen. Now That's a general principle. I know there are specific situations that you may need to seek further counsel and advice on. Uh, every situation you have to pray for the sermon on, but in terms of a general principle in a church setting, when you have brothers and sisters in Christ, usually situations escalate and we make mountains out of molehills, don't we? Yes. And sometimes we just need to you know, even if even if even if I can't convince them that I'm right, just let them believe I'm wrong and be okay with it and move on. Amen. And he said, Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. He said, You're the one doing wrong because you're insisting on winning an argument, even at the expense of fellowship in the church. So what happens then is when we when we break fellowship with the Father, when we start developing a self-righteous attitude, that we begin to enshrine our own belief systems, and it becomes a religion to us, and we'll even enshrine our ideas to the point to where we think we're right, even if we're wrong. And God is saying sometimes you just need to be willing to take the wrong for the sake of sparing the brother salvaging the friendship, salvaging the relationship. So it takes a lot of commitment, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of spiritual maturity. And it's not always easily done, but it's always doable under the unction and the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you've done all you can do, and you've done it right, and it still don't make a difference in their life, at least it doesn't appear to make a difference, then it's in God's hands. Amen. But don't say you've forgiven them and keep dragging it back up again. Right. If you say you've forgiven them, I know your human brain probably will never completely forget what happened. But never bring it back up again if you say you've forgiven them. The devil may bring it back up into your mind a thousand times, but don't let it resurface bitterness. Amen, because otherwise we begin to justify the breach in the fellowship. And the more divided we are, the quicker we fall and the less effective we are as a collective body yeah. for the cause of Christ. Amen. And uh, so that's my first installment and introduction to Am I My Brother's Keeper. We will continue this study, Lord willing, next Sunday night. Let's pray and then I will turn the service over. Uh, I guess the brother Ron, you going to try to do this? You need a chair to sit down on up here? Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would help us to take these truths to heart. Help us, Lord, to seek. Lord, to not stand and not to be a stumbling block or a hindrance to others, even if we have to make some sacrifices that you would require of us that may be difficult but that might foster unity in the body of Christ. Help us to be our brother's keeper, we pray and ask it in Christ's name. Amen.